Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Sunday, May 28th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. Well, I have certainly missed quite a bit since I last graced these airwaves, but this space has never been about me. The Boston Celtics, their wildly successful 2016-17 campaign, top overall seed in the East, conference finalists, and the possessors of the number one selection in the coming draft, their playing season reached its conclusion just prior to this Memorial Day weekend. What is sure to be a busy and certainly productive summer for the organization, such dialogue regarding that subject can wait. Postmortem on the Cavs series, and even the postseason is on order, and doing so with Matt Weiner of Turner Sports and NBA TV. And oh yeah, me, I'm back on episode number 211 of Celtics Beat, presented by ZipRecruiter. You know, it's it's counterintuitive. I'm really not that busy right now. In fact, because there are fewer games and the same number of people on the air, it's, we're really kind of less busy. Um, the first round is really busy, and then, you know, successively less so, um, because there's just less to cover. Did that not feel like the longest five-game series in the history of professional sports, though? And oh, it was, it was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we've, we've had a lot of those. Uh, I mean, the playoffs just haven't been very competitive across the board. I wanted to get um, – I had the number as of like a week ago that this was the second biggest average margin of victory in the playoffs uh, to that point, and I'm curious what it is right now. It's got to be close. It was amazing, though, too, though. First off, I'm just ecstatic that the half, the Celtics were able to get that game and they were not going to go. That series is now officially not the worst conference finals ever. <laughs> Freshman yeah. year of high school, Spurs-Lakers. You remember that one very, very well. Anyways, official introduction. We are here with Matt Weiner, host of NBA TV's Game Time. Mr. Matt Weiner, thanks so much for doing this on a Sunday morning. And I should steal your mindset after you know what why don't we get why don't we talk about your mindset before we even delve into the series as it has finally mercifully reached its conclusion dive into your mindset going into the series and then after game two uh well i i i think like most people i didn't think it was going to be particularly competitive um and i felt the same way after game two because it 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 really hadn't been and the Cavaliers had, had taken the two games on Boston's home floor at that point. Um, I mean, to me, the Celtics were playing with house money at that point, even as a number one seed already. And, and, and you guys, I'm sure, are well aware 
of their status is one of the, I hate to say least impressive because it's impressive that they were the number one seed, but in terms of their credentials, one of the least impressive number one seeds in, in recent NBA history. I think they had the worst net rating for a top conference seed since 79, um, the lowest win total in, I don't know, I think it was 10 years, something like that. We had that discussion. To me, they, they were already playing with house money as they got there. We had that discussion on this show, and that's why I felt it was most important that they were able to get that one game. It is now official. The Pistons, I believe, in 2003, who were also big winners in the lottery, although they didn't convert with the Darko pick in 03, they were swept by New Jersey. I believe they only won 52. So we can give them okay. the worst number one seed ever, Celtics number two, and nobody nobody remembers number two, so that's a good thing. Uh, but right. they did get that game three win, and even after game three and four, now we'll even fast forward. What was your mindset after those two games? I mean, I, I didn't even know what to think, especially me, since I've been this is my first show back. I've been running around like crazy forever. Yeah, the the game three thing was just odd to me. It felt like uh, it felt like the Cavaliers let go of the rope. Um, you know, with a twenty one point lead in the third quarter, uh, it felt like maybe their defense had reverted at least for that night. Their defense had reverted to regular season form when it was. 22nd in the league, um, and and LeBron was has, has been well documented, just really oddly passive, and um, he's had a handful of those games over his postseason career, which are magnified by the fact that there's a segment of population that just doesn't like him, uh, and will will sort of you know uh, focus almost exclusively on those nights. Um, but it was one of those weird nights for him and his teammates didn't stop the Celtics enough, and they were, what, 2 of 13, I think, down the stretch from three-point range. And so it felt like a little bit of an anomaly, but you wondered, what's going on in there? Are they okay? You know, every NBA game in the playoffs becomes its own little drama, and sometimes we tend to project the results of that game on the next one, which isn't always the case. There's not necessarily carryover. There, There can be with strategy if something works, a team is going to continue to try it in the next game, but in terms of um, sort of mental approach and motivation and that kind of thing, it tends not to. And so, you know, it made you wonder what was going on, but um, they responded, and, and LeBron was back to his normal self, and, and at least in Cleveland world, all is right again. Yeah, this 24-7 sport network certainly don't help, although they're very good for us who are in right. the business when it's all said and done. Before we do finally do a little final delve, a post-mortem into the series of how the Cavs did do it, and I don't think that there really is much to really get into that. I, I, we should find a way to get something deeper and more detailed other than that. LeBron and Kyrie really stepped up in Game 4. But I want to ask one more final question with you on the on the psyche that you yourself had or you and your peers who do not have the emotional investment into the Celtics that the listeners, and I do, I do, I have no issue admitting that on the air, but how about that with the series being such a foregone conclusion coming into the series and then certainly after game two and, and even after game three when the Celtics did win that game, was there the mindset that you don't want to admit on air, especially working for the man of, can we just get this over with and fast forward to what we all want to see here? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'll say this in, in general, and this, this applies not only to the series, but, but to the playoffs. I think the fact that we're going to have the three match, which is the, uh, the phrase that, that I like most of the ones I've heard so that far. That is a good one. I have not heard that. Um, yeah, the three match for me is a, you know, an, uh, as an unprecedented thing in NBA history is a good thing for the league. I, and, and now that the finals are coming, I, I can't wait to get out to the Bay Area and, and, 
start talking about it and get into it and actually see these two teams on the floor again together, um, I think that's a good thing for the league. I think there's there's genuine excitement about seeing them play each other again, and I think there's been anticipation since last June about that. I think the, the negative side is that there has been a sense of inevitability about it through most of the regular season and certainly the playoffs as well, and particularly when things like Kawhi Leonard's injury happened um, and Isaiah Thomas's injury happened, and any sense that you know, one of these two teams might be upset, kind of went by the wayside. And that's not necessarily a great thing for the league. Um, so there are there are points when you feel like, okay, it's inevitable now. This series is not going to be competitive. And, and there were some series throughout the playoffs where you looked at the two teams on the floor and said, well, Team B cannot beat Team A, barring some something catastrophic. And, and that's not necessarily a great thing for the league. I feel like the most uh, intriguing storyline of the series, even after Game 3, was Ty Lue's comments. And now I would love to say I make so much of what uh, coaches and players say in the media, considering that's the, our primary means of business here at CLNS are our videos on the YouTube channel, uh, as CLNS was on the road and at home for the series they've been all year. But uh, you know what I'm alluding to are, are Ty Lue's comments of that, you know, the Celtics, wow, they're just, they're just tougher to defend than Golden State. Is that... Yeah, uh, yeah. Was that just a we're just focused on the team we have at hand cliche, or do you feel there's actually really any truth to that sentiment? I think that's probably the the former rather than the latter. Um, I, I It's funny, though, before he said that, I had asked uh, our guys on the set, and I forget which combination was sitting next to me, but I had asked um, a couple of our analysts on the air about how well the Celtics, minus Isaiah Thomas particularly, uh, prepare the Cavaliers defensively for what the Warriors do. Uh, clearly, they're not as potent offensively as, as Golden State, which is one of the you know most prolific offensive teams in, in certainly recent league history. But um, they move the ball. They they really move the ball all season. But you know, there's there's going to be less ISO without Isaiah on the floor. Um, they do move the ball around really well, and at their best, they they make you pay attention, and they make you you know they make you move. They they require you to go side to side, um, and and there is some benefit to that, I think. It's not exactly the way Golden State plays, certainly, but I think there's some benefit to it. But I, I think, going back to Ty Lue's comment, probably more of the former, the this is, this is the team we've got in front of us. And I think the other factor is that there really is some animosity between the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and, and maybe he's just taking a little shot. Yeah, get them all fired up. I actually do thought that there's one solace outside of the Celtics actually being in the series and winning a game is that the national narrative of the organization was only enhanced. And I actually should ask you this, and because I know you, you discuss with your peers and all those analysts on set in which you have, those who, who did play for a long time in the NBA and that, I feel like everyone in and around the basketball world really got their first real good look at the Celtics, the Brad Stevens Celtics, the post-Garnett Celtics now. I mean, there has been this narrative of, of the last few years of, oh, they're well-coached, and that's just sort of just been drawn a conclusion of, oh, they're overachieving, and, and they'll hear comments from opposing coaches or opposing players, really without really diving in and watching them. But, uh, you know, they've been, they were on national TV now for the last month, month and a half, actually, excuse me, and they're going to be on a lot of nationally televised games next year because I think anyone can now predict that even if they do return much of the same team, which they probably won't, it's going to be a pretty good product. Maybe not at Cleveland or Golden State's level yet. But, yeah, what would you say, Matt, 
And we're here with Matt Weiner of NBA TV. Is the new narrative of the organization now after watching them the last 90 days for a pretty fair amount of time? Well, I, I feel like, and, and again, we, we dive in a lot deeper than the national, most of the national media would because it's all we do on NBA TV is talk about the NBA. But, you know, we, we've been discussing this, this uh, ongoing construction project in Boston um, for years now because they've been building and they've been doing it the right way. And, and Danny Ainge has been building all these assets, uh, acquiring draft picks and and making prudent moves to build this roster. And it has been fascinating to watch all these years. So we've, we've been talking about this for a while and our analysts were on Brad Stevens pretty early on as a really smart young coach. Then it was just a matter of, well, what can he do if he has better players on the roster? And I think you, you saw that this year. Um, you know, again, were they the prototypical number one seed? No, but they've made steady improvement under Brad Stevens. I, I, They've won more games every year he's been there. Um, and so they could have easily been a really solid two or three seed, and you, you would have felt pretty good about that, I think. Um, I, I think maybe the factor that has changed over the last year, more so this year than, than last year, was that there's an appreciation for Isaiah Thomas as a scorer and as a closer, um, whereas you know he had bounced around the league and, and playing with bad teams most casual fans certainly didn't know much about who he is or what he's about, and that obviously changed, particularly in the playoffs with with everything that he went through and, and overcame uh, to play as well as he did. And I think there's an appreciation that the Celtics are, are now a good young team to be reckoned with, and I, and I, I think most of the national broadcasts, ours included, have driven home the point that this team has so much flexibility that it's going to be a factor in the next few years one way or the other, you know, no matter what the roster ends up looking like because Danny Ainge can make so many different things happen. Oh, it's it's amazing, too, on our network, too. As soon as the final buzzer on Thursday night went off, there must have been a, a good uh, five amount of podcasts, especially from our newsfeed and roundtable guys. They could not wait to talk about the offseason already. They did not give it at least five seconds. Um, I got a few – I got some two more cliche questions I'd love to get out of you before I let you go. Basically, I know we all talked about Isaiah Thomas was a huge storyline throughout the playoffs for the right. obvious reasons. We don't have to get into that. But were there any other players that impressed you as, as you watched the Celts uh, make their run to the Eastern Conference Finals here? Well, I've been on the Avery Bradley train for a long time. I, I, I'm just really appreciative of what he does. Uh, and I've been saying for a couple of years now that he's one of the best two-way players in the entire NBA. Um, I, I just, you know, his on-ball defense – that used to be what he was primarily – well, it's still what he's primarily known for as a defender. But, you know, he's been doing that since he got into the league. And I wish I could remember the player. You might be able to help me. There was a player he defended years ago who actually finally said something to him on the floor, like along the lines of, what are you doing? Was it Marcus <laughs> Williams with the Nets when he picked him up at half court as rookie yeah, year? Yeah, it might have been. I, don't, him, I don't, honestly don't remember. He would not let him get up half court. Yeah, because, because players just don't do that. It used to be old-time NBA used to have a guard coming off the bench typically who would come in and pressure a guy 90 feet. Um, you don't see that in the NBA anymore. And Bradley was Bradley was harassing ball carriers or ball handlers you know, way back when, and – He's as good as anybody in the league at at making life miserable for a guy with the ball in his hands. He's added, uh, you know, some shooting touch, some scoring ability. His uh, his his athleticism pops up 
in surprising ways from time to time. Um, he, he had two of the better missed dunks of the playoffs in this last series. So I, I've always been impressed by him. And Marcus Smart, you know, Marcus Smart is, is one of the least polished offensive players in the league, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> but I would want him on my team every chance I got because he plays with an edge and he plays with great determination. He's a big, strong body. I think he generally makes winning plays. Uh, really impressed by him. And, I, you know, Al Horford is impressive in his own way, but I think we kind of knew what he could do, so I don't know that anything has changed along those lines. There's, there's obviously a, a downside to having Horford because uh, of the well-documented rebounding issues that having him, as particularly as your center, brings. Um, but his ability to move the ball and make the right plays offensively is, has always been impressive. Okay, so we'll save the stalest yet the hardest question for last. Okay. How do they beat Cleveland next year? Next year? Without referencing think... anything from Celtics pride. Right, right. I don't think they do is the short answer. Uh, next year, I think realistically, and, I, and I, I've long since gotten out of the guessing what Danny Ainge is going to do game, but I think somewhere in his mindset has to be how long can the Cavaliers sustain what they've got going? Um, LeBron James shows no signs of slowing down. In fact, had one of his better NBA seasons this year and has kicked it up in the playoffs for the most part. Um, but you have to start wondering, you know, uh, how, when, is the, when is the window realistically open? And I feel, and I've said this before, I think you could move LeBron to any Eastern Conference team and he would take them to the finals next year. Um, and you could look around the rosters and say, well, no, there's no way he could take the Brooklyn Nets or somebody like that to the finals. But he is, he's a player magnet because veteran players will take a lot less money to come in and play alongside him. He knows what they can do for their careers. Uh, he knows the kinds of plays he makes for them. And I, you know, he, so he attracts players in a way that other players don't. I, and I think that that's probably the case barring some sort of, you know, major injury. I think that's probably the case for, for him for another two years. So it's a, it's the question you ask um, I don't know that there's an answer to it other than wait. You know, I, I don't know next year that there is a way to do it unless unless you somehow convince a real superstar type player. And to me, there are only a handful of those in the NBA. But if you convince a real superstar type player to come to Boston, um, you know, Kevin Durant last summer would have fit that bill. Uh, I, I just don't see it next year. Deflating response. I was hoping you'd give us something. Especially to pump up all the Celtics-Cavs games that will be on TNT next year, too. Yeah, right. NBA TV's Matt Weiner, host of NBA Game Time. Follow man on Twitter at Matt underscore Weiner. Matt will be anchoring NBA TV's pre- and post-game coverage on-site for the NBA Finals starting Thursday night. So I'll let you have fun to wrap this up, Matt. Finals prediction in three words or less. Warriors in six. The Celtics may be out, but it's still the playoff season with the finals set to begin Thursday. And having the right players on the court, such as LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant, has proven to key the success for the Warriors and Cavs. That sharp outside suitor and power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing. And business isn't any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find the top talent? 
You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other top job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses on all sizes nationwide. And right now, Celtics Beat listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. By the way, for those who care, not sure how many actually, especially the locals, we are very self-centric here in the hub. No Boston, huh? But for consumers of all things NBA, I'll get my opinion out there also in three words or less. Warrior sweep. That's actually two. But final set to begin Thursday and to reiterate, check Mr. Weiner out on NBA TV, which has been the comprehensive home of the playoffs and will feature live on-site pre- and post-game coverage of the NBA Finals, which unlike this show, how we pity them, will not feature the Celtics. Welcome back into Celtics Beat and allow this to be an official hello again. To all the listeners, I wanted to delve right into things with Mr. Weiner. We did. Now I got the second half of the show to myself to go solo here. That was done deliberately because, yes, it has been six weeks. But, uh, yeah, some season, huh? Pretty weak on my end. I really wish I could come out of the gate a little bit better than that, but be a little more articulate than that. But, you know, oh, what a ride it has been. But really, that's it, right? Huh? I mean, uh, I... I left a voice message here on last week's show, which was on the eve of Game 3 of the Conference Finals like against Cleveland, and that was not exactly when the morale of Celtics Nation was on the verge of a volcanic eruption. Quite the contrary. But uh, not to offer any basketball intellect, but some psychological musings of stay in the present moment. It is the only way to maximize the emotions and the general enjoyments of being a sports fan being a Celtics fan, which is the whole reason why we even bother with this endeavor in the first place, because you do know it adds precisely zero intrinsic value to any of our lives whatsoever. It is the only way to extract any meaning, any memories out of what we witnessed the last month and a half, oh, last eight months, but we'll certainly remember the last month and a half very well, which now looking back on it, that we can say it was pretty special. We, as fans, Celtics fans, we obviously cherish memories from the championship season in in 2008, and to our senior listeners, 84, 86, 81, 57 even, or even to run uh, the the run of Game 7 of the Finals in, in 2010. I know for me, my favorite Celtics seasons, the first, 1991, number two, a little bit of a distant number two actually, but it, my sophomore year in high school... Paul Pierce broke out, first competitive Celtics squad in nearly 15 years, and took that Celtics team back to the conference finals, which produced an array of memories along the way, 
insert plug for my Pierce documentary on the CLNS YouTube channel here. But then and now, we just focused on what was happening and absorbed each and every moment to, to now I sit here, sadly a generation later from all my previous references, with everything we retained from all those unique Celtic seasons. You know, um, we we don't say, hey, remember that time the Celtics blew out the Lakers in Game 6 of the Finals in Boston to clinch the title? We say, or at least I say, sorry, I'm going to start bragging, but I know I say, remember that time the Celtics blew out the Lakers in Game 6 of the Finals in Boston to clinch the title, and I went to the game, jumped to the ceiling at the top of Section 323 after James Posey hit a three from the wing in the second quarter to balloon the Celtics lead to 14 and took one of the ledgers down, then got on the court after the game, hugged everyone from Tommy to JoJo White, skewered Stu Lance, and just went outright ballistic, and the whole evening of June 17, 2008 constitutes as a top-two day in my life. Yeah. That's that's like what we say, right? We obviously reference personal experiences of our lives when it comes to just being a sports fan in general. And now this one, 2017. On paper, 53 wins, number one in the conference, winning the draft lottery, winning a playoff series for the first time under Brad Stevens, rallying from 0-2 down in a series on the road, playing and winning an electric game seven at the Garden, which... For as consolatory it may be to the stereotypical NBA observer... Anyone who considers themselves a fan of any degree of the Boston Celtics know that it is their birthright and duty to win seventh games. No franchise in professional sports has played in and won more game sevens than the Boston basketball Celtics. And the patrons at the Garden that Monday night understood that in unison and collectively felt an urge to will the adrenaline of the Celtics players on that parquet floor to a victory and with that they did for anyone who invested themselves emotionally and or monetarily into this 2017 edition you certainly got your money's worth with interest and for as much as the fans could take in the playoff experience and the whole season listen say what you want is very trendy especially in internet communities i hate to generalize here but i will uh, in internet communities to, to, to poo-poo anything that it is in the abstract. But that very playoff experience for the players. Uh, so anytime it comes to analyzing what is in the abstract in, in sports or basketball that cannot be valued analytically and with a complete and identifiable net worth, utilize examples in your life to make it easy. So... Okay, anytime you do something, or most things, for the first time, okay, that, okay, that did not come out so well. Uh, start over. Don't, not la don't laugh. Let's just get to the point I'm trying to make here. You try something new for the first time. First few times, a new experience. Generally, you're nervous. Your brain has not adapted to it. Whatever the activity of it may be, it's not second nature to you. There's some, maybe even a lot of angst. No? Of course, this is the case for basketball players playing high-pressure basketball games, playoff games, game sevens. Despite whatever one may, or the players themselves, may talk themselves into it, hey, it's just another game, same goal, put the ball in the basket, stop the other team from scoring, score more points than the other team, one team, one goal. It's different. The intensity is astronomically different. 
Oh crap, we're playing for our season. Oh crap, we can't afford to lose this game. Hey, 10, 20, 30 times more people are watching us play this particular game than we're playing the normal. To these Celtics, playing in games of this magnitude, or what they previously just did, is not what they are accustomed to at all. But hey, in just a month and a half, cross these off the checklist. They won a Game 7 now. They clinched a series on the road. They won, what, three must-win road games? Games 3 and 4 against Chicago way back yonder, stealing Game 3 in Cleveland. Okay, no, this isn't a battle-hardened unit all of a sudden, but it's not completely green anymore, and they'll have a greater advantage over a lot of teams next year and in the coming years. And there's also another value to playoff experience, and now we can actually talk about something concrete here, and that is the ability to measure yourself against your competition when both teams are playing at their highest levels, whether the opposition certainly is. You can say, we lost to these guys. What do we need this or next offseason to rectify our deficiencies that led to this loss? Can we do that? Tristan Thompson, for his entire career, has dominated Al Horford. Celtics fans now know that. Particularly on the glass. What does the brass do about that? We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. We will use this space today to identify that. The Irving LeBron pick and roll, the talk of the series and even the playoffs around the NBA. Heard there was an article about it. Unstoppable. Coaches around the league will watch that on a loop endlessly to find any measure to see if there's a way to slow that down in any capacity, if there is one at all, which I doubt. But either way, there is a lot more value in Brad Stevens and the Celtics players seeing and experience that firsthand on the biggest of stages as opposed to just fast-forwarding through game footage. Another one, the rest the Cavs got. Um, is something that, you know, Matt referenced how LeBron had one of the best playoffs runs of, of his career, which of course is saying something unquestionably, the Cavs taking virtually the final fourth of the regular season off, whereas the Celts pretty much went balls to the wall, that played, 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 did I say that? That paid tremendous dividends for the Cavs, especially as Boston came into the conference finals emotionally and physically gassed after going the distance with Washington to go along with Cleveland's massive talent discrepancy as is. You know, is, is that something the coaching staff keeps in mind for next year? Once again, they have that experience. They have that evidence now in front of them. We'll see. But you know, second week in a row, we're going to make an antiquity reference for this week. And that will be utilizing the analogy of how the barbarians were finally able to sack and disintegrate Rome in the West. Years, you can even say centuries, if you want. We'll stick with years because I don't want to get to centuries. It'll make it seem like it'll never happen for the Celtics because it's going to, I tell you. But years of battles with the greatest fighting unit, the Roman legions, the civilized world has ever seen, where such experience not only hardened and acclimated German and Hunnic warriors, but exposed them to what the, necess the necessities of an eventual victory over Rome would be, and eventually there was. We can only hope that will be a finality for the Celts, as we urge and hope for one more day where they rule the basketball world. But, back to the present... We can now safely say that the Celtics, today and likely next year, are going to be a top five team in the NBA, especially with likely improvements next year. Yes, there are going to be some players that will not be back who are very important, especially if they do what we hope and think they will do uh, in the first few days of July, wink, wink. Yes, Kelly Olenek, if there was anyone who benefited more from this playoff ride with his play and his play at the right time, 
he was the team leader in plus minus for the postseason and the only rotation player in the black he's a restricted free agent I know that's for another show but Olenek, Marcus Smart, who Matt talked about, Al Horford, outside of the whole Tristan Thompson thing. Yes, this is where I dropped the other than that. Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you enjoy the play crack? Horford, Jalen Brown, a, a rookie, getting critical minutes, playoff minutes, and contributing. That's doing something that none of his peers did in this year's draft. One would like to assume that naturally ordains a thirst in him to get better this summer. And of course, Isaiah. We all know the story there. We'll see with his status as the summer progresses. Stay tuned to see LNS Media for up-to-the-minute updates on the status of Isaiah Thomas's hip and also the YouTube channel. Shout out youtube.com slash Media for the raw and uncut press conference of Isaiah's exit interview where he discussed his hip as well as his contract status and what he wants the Celts to do in free agency. Again, youtube.com slash Media. Support the network and convenience yourself with the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics by subscribing to youtube.com slash Media. I thank all those in advance who do. And we certainly thank the Celtics for all of the amusements they provided us here at the network. And I'll speak for anyone who consider themselves a fan. I thank the Celtics for making it well worth our time over these past eight months. And... I want to now officially take this opportunity to offer my thanks for those who listen to Celtics Beat for yet another season. Now, this is uh, not a goodbye by any means. In fact, it's a hello, because, of course, there is no offseason here. This broadcast, as we know, airs all 52 weeks of the year. every Sunday, no exceptions. But the conclusion of the season does allow us to reflect a little bit on those who fuel this engine. And first and foremost, that is the listenership. Believe me, we wouldn't bother if it was not for all those who take the effort to go about and download this show every single Sunday. I thank you for another fine campaign. To the off-season we now go. And without bucking any traditions, if you do wish to spoil yourselves, feel free to reference prior years around the time the Celtics do get eliminated on how we progress in these next coming weeks on how we draw out uh, episodes of Celtics Beat. But again, that is if you want to spoil yourselves a bit. If you don't, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CelticsBeat. I should also, you know, I haven't been too active on social media recently, and forgive me here for not responding. I'm back, so I promise that will change effective immediately. But I recently saw gratitude expressed this way on various outlets. So rather than simply liking said tweets or statuses, well, you know, no, that just doesn't hold water like it used to anymore. So I will personally reciprocate to... Sam Sheena, Celtics Hub, Nicola, Celtic Nation, Italia, and anyone else, thank you for such kind words regarding this production. Thank you times two. And of course, I also have to thank Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown, Evan Valenti and Matt Ignall of Celtics Newsfeed. Celtics Newsfeed and B-Ball Breakdown podcasts are available like this on the CLNS app. I thank them for hosting this broadcast during the playoffs and doing it more justice than it deserves in my absence. Again, if you like that work, and I operate on the assumption that you do, catch them on other various podcasts on CLNS. Download the CLNS mobile app for free in the App Store for both your iPhone and Android. And lastly, CLNS's founder, Nick Gelso, not to just thank him to allow me to host this show, but for allowing me to be me. Without that... And once again, all those who listen to Celtics Beat, oh, what little fun this would be. So, till next time, that is going to do it for this week's show. Number 211. Let's go to the script. 
Music, Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrateau. Graphic designer, Scott Dillon. Staff writer, Eddie Santiago. Latest contest giveaway, a Bill Russell signed Spalding to enter. Go to CLNScontest.com. All courtesy of CLNS founder, Nick Gelso. Now for me, the executive producer and host, I am Larry H. Russell. One more time, it is so good to be back. See everyone back here next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network.